Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. Journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Okay, welcome to Montana's Peer Network Podcast. Welcome to February 2019. We've been away for a little bit. We haven't done one since the end of uh, last year. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. I am Jim Haney, Executive Director of Montana's Peer Network. And today I have with me Andy, who... uh, Let's see, I think we did a podcast back in the fall, um, but uh, we don't hear from Andy a whole lot, and I'm super excited to have her on today for the podcast. Andy, uh, introduce yourself here. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Um, I'm the social media coordinator for Montana's Peer Network, um, uh, located up in north central Montana. Um, I've just uh, finished my first year with MPN, and it's been a great year uh, working with this organization. Um, so we're glad. I, yeah, yeah, and, when, and it's like I said, I'm super excited to have you on. Uh, Andy is the one who handles all our social media, so uh, obviously you're, you're listening to a podcast. Um, uh, Facebook and the website and, and Twitter and uh, you know webinars. I mean all the all that techie stuff um, <clears throat> is is Andy's domain, and so um, we are grateful for that because it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's more than I thought it would be, yeah. uh, but it's great fun. I, I love seeing all of the comments um, and really getting involved with people. Yeah. Yeah, and the Pulse. I forgot to mention the uh, the peer support Pulse, the weekly uh, e-newsletter. Forgot to mention that. That's uh, a change we made as we began phasing out last year the paper newsletter and uh, sending out the Pulse to members. And um, yeah, it's great. I I like it every every week. Yeah, it's a better way to get information out there timely as opposed to the monthly newsletter that we were doing before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the, uh, you know, like you said, the, the timeliness, it's more, um, you know, if something's going on, we can just, we can throw it right in and um, and get the word out pretty quickly um, as opposed to having to wait until, you know, the next month or a couple weeks to do a paper version. So, um, yeah, that's great. But we are here today to do really part of our spotlight series um, where we really just focus in on one particular topic. And I've been anticipating this um, this month for a while as we started talking about it last fall that, uh, you know, in February to do a podcast all about relationships in recovery and that um, topic um, I think is very uh it's 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 exciting, but it doesn't get talked about very much. 
Um, but all of us in recovery, we obviously experience this, the relationships we have with people, both romantic, non-romantic. Um, and it just seemed to me like February was the month to do that. We're coming up on Valentine's Day. And uh, next week, Andy, you're also doing a, a webinar, right? Yep, I am. Um, I'll be doing a webinar on uh, the relationships in recovery, both substance abuse recovery, mental health recovery. Um, so that webinars are always the third Wednesday of the month at noon. Um, and you can sign up for that on our website. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, this is the, this is the focus this month and this is what we're going to be really, we've already been focused on and the podcast is just kind of part of that. Um, and getting our thoughts and we're going to share our experiences and, um, yeah, talk about this. I, I think, uh, um, you know, to jump in, I, I feel like this is something that in, in the recovery world, we don't talk about enough. You, do you feel that way? Um, I, I agree, especially with, um, mental health, um, recovery. I mean, sometimes that term recovery is difficult, uh, in mental health anyway, um, uh, because you don't know where the starting point was. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, but certainly in, in my experience, I don't think that that's ever been discussed, um, like in a general sense, mm -hmm. like in therapy or something like that, you know, I will say this is an issue I'm having in my relationship, but mm -hmm. there's not a lot involved in, um, how to build relationships, you know, what common that kind of thing yeah yeah how do you how do you tell somebody about your diagnosis or that you're even in recovery right right when to tell them yeah what to expect yeah 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 how do you answer the the not only the the questions but sometimes you don't even get the questions you get the strange look <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and and how do you how do you respond to that? And having to teach people what that means. If you know, if you yeah. don't have a good handle on what that means for you, how do you tell that to somebody else? Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't know why we don't talk about this more. You know, we we spend a lot of time we talk about things like trauma and you know the the guiding principles of recovery and um, of course, for our organization, I mean, we talk a lot about peer support and, but really relationships. And I, and for me, like when I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking really mostly in the romantic side of it being as it's, you know, almost Valentine's day here. And, uh, um, so I was thinking of that, but, um, really it's really in, in all relationships, right? Right. And, you know, we talk about social support as being so important in recovery, but we don't really talk about the definition of what that is. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just who your friend group is or your family or, or whatever. And I just don't mm -hmm. think that we focus enough on those romantic one-on-one -on -one deep connection kind of relationships when we're talking about how to deal with those. Right, right, I agree. So so I'm going to throw this question out there for both of us to to digest and, and talk about. What what makes relationships in recovery so difficult or challenging? I think a lot for me um, 
was the change in my relationship at the time when I started recovery, uh, when I started to go to therapy and, and start making some progress on myself, that changed the relationship that I was in. Uh, and not for the better. Um, mm. so, okay. you know, that when you learn to live with somebody in a certain way and they change, that's disruptive. Even if it's a change for the good, um, mm. uh, it's disruptive to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think, like we said, we, we focus on that enough. So, you know, here people are thinking I'm in recovery, I'm doing really good, but oh, now my marriage is falling apart. Right, uh, right. Which because is all- that other person isn't getting the treatment or, you know, whatever to help mm-hmm. deal with that change. Yeah, yeah. And, and the end of a, a relationship, a marriage, you know, um, is, a, is a major life stressor with, without a diagnosis, without, without a diagnosis for anybody in life. I mean, right. if you look at a life stressor scale near the top is always uh, uh, divorce, <clears throat> end of a long-term relationship is always up there. So, yeah, then you, you kind of add that additional stress into it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, uh, so it makes me think about, you know, when I was, was, uh, was, was getting divorced and, um, you know, it was like, oh man, you know, um, <clears throat> how do I, how do I go back out into the world and, and date and, um, you know, and just the, how do, how do I explain this to people? And, and one thing that I know I found was with my job, you know, people, um, in our society, we often ask, oh, so what do you do? Right. So if somebody asks me, <laughs> direct director of Montana's Peer Network, what do you do? And it's like, oh, I'm the director of a nonprofit. That's usually where I'll start with somebody. And they and then if they're truly interested, they'll say, oh, what nonprofit? Then you get to say, oh, Montana's Peer Network. And then I have to make a decision in that, you know, in that split second, do I elaborate into we're a recovery organization or do I again kind of cut it off right there <clears throat> and always feel this anxiety because then inevitably if you say it's a recovery organization they say oh what got you interested in that <laughs> <laughs> which which opens up the whole door to well I'm in recovery and you know um, had all kinds of challenges in my life right and um yeah, and well, so I, I think the word recovery is is difficult for some people who aren't within this system because it's generally associated with uh, substance abuse, and yeah. so um, when you say recovery, that's what people think is um, you've had a substance abuse problem, and for a lot of us, that's not actually the truth, and so then you have to explain what recovery is. Yeah. Um, yeah. On top of that. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. That that's the very next question. It's like, oh, recovery. What kind of recovery? And it's like, oh, okay. Well, there's mental health recovery. There's trauma recovery. There's substance use. There's, you know, it could be any of these things. You know. Yeah. No. It it really. Um, 
I found it really challenging, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll share this uh, experience I had. So I, I made a decision that I was going to try online dating, and, and some people might not know this about me. Uh, so I, I met my current wife on uh, eHarmony, and I made this con very conscious decision that I wanted to try online dating because I felt like I could screen people a little better, right? Right. And I wouldn't have to, like, constantly explain that whole thing that I just said, you know, right? <laughs> and so, because you can put on there, it asks you, one of the questions is, your level of drinking is actually in the profile. It's actually in there, and you have these choices. None, whatever, I don't know, occasional, sometimes, often, frequently, every day or something, you know? like. And so, if I choose none... Now, other people see my profile, and it's none, right? So, right. one, you're kind of giving people the signal, like, okay, like, I don't drink. So, if you're the person on the other end of the spectrum who drinks, like, every day, probably don't want to click on my profile. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> so I put my thing in, you know, and then it, it you know, uh, collates the, here's the matches for you, you know? And I think I had, like, two matches. Uh-huh. And I went, oh my gosh, like, and then it said, try expanding, you know, to 300 miles away. And I'm thinking, <laughs> 300 miles, you know, so you expand to 300 miles and now you have 25 people. And I'm like, what? Like, and, <laughs> you know, and so it was like, wow. And as I'm looking at profiles, you know, women's profiles, they all have pictures of them with drinks in their hands. They're all in bars and, you know, and out on, you know, the beach with, you know, a glass of wine or whatever. And I, and I get it. Like, that's cool. Like, no judgments, but it was like, wow, you know, it was a reminder of how much things like alcohol are embedded in our society and how it's like, wow, you know, and so... I really felt at a huge disadvantage going online and it was like, man, it was like the pool was small, you know, like if I'm going to have meet someone who doesn't drink, because I think that's the first way I searched it was someone else who doesn't drink, the pool was so tiny. So like, do I up it, you know, do I bump that up? And so I ended up doing that, you know, but then that creates a whole new uh, set of decisions you have to make is... Are you going to be in a relationship with somebody who who does drink? And are they going to be okay with you not drinking? And are you going to be okay with them sometimes drinking, right? Right. And even at the very, before it gets to that point, where do you go for a first date? Well, absolutely, because I'm, I'm still looking at the profiles. You know, like I haven't even emailed them yet. And I'm still, I'm, I'm weighing out all these things. And then I'm thinking, that's that's only the drinking side of my life. I have the mental health side of my life, and for for me, I know, uh, so I have a, <clears throat> I, you know, I am also in recovery from trauma, and I have, I have a really bad disorder, sleep disorder, and um, I have, you know, I can have nightmares, I can have insomnia, it can look like a lot of things. Well, even, you know, once once you start dating somebody, and if you're, uh, sexually active with them, I mean, at some point you're going to be in bed with them, you're going to be, you're going to fall asleep, 
Like, I, I have, I feel like I need to tell that person, like, you know, if I suddenly start talking strange and getting up and walking around, I might be asleep. <laughs> you know, like, don't take that personally. Like, I, and so, it, you know, it, it creates a lot of anxiety. Um, you're trying to explain to this person, you know, hoping, hoping you're going to have sex with them, but then somehow you have to try to explain, you know, um, that, yeah, this could happen, you know, and especially all the, the stress that's around it when you're meeting somebody and, you know, and that those kinds of things tend to activate that in me a lot more. And so, um, yeah, it's really, um, it, it's really difficult, you know, to find someone who's understanding. Thankfully I did. And, was able to have those conversations and explain these things, but until a person actually sees me talking in my sleep and <laughs> yelling and, you know, like they don't really know, but you try to prepare them. I feel like I have a responsibility as a person in recovery. I feel like I have a responsibility to tell my, my partner, like, Hey, this could happen. Like, and, and here's what to do. Here's how to get me calmed down and back in the bed and asleep, you know, cause I'm not really awake. Like, I don't really know what's going on, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just really, yeah, it's very stressful and challenging on top of trying to build a new relationship with someone, you know, and the judgments and hoping they accept you and all that, yeah. And I find that in smaller places, um, everybody knows your history. Mm. Um Sure. Whether whether it's the real history or whether it's rumors, yeah. um, or you know other people's perceptions, um, how do you get past that history or explain where you were at that point in time and why you're not there anymore? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know why were you hospitalized? Even though people shouldn't know that. Yeah. The whole town might know that. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and I mean, you live in a, you live in a really small town and, uh, yeah, I, uh, thankfully I, my hospitalizations were not here in Montana. So I never, I never experienced that. That would be really difficult. Um, being in the same community. Yeah. The judgments that people, people might have. And then, and then you mentioned the other thing, which is once you meet somebody, where do you go on a date when, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the easy thing that I think most people choose is to a bar or most restaurant most most restaurants and bars in Montana are connected, right? Yes. So that's the other challenge. And then the other person's drinking, you're not drinking, is that okay? Is that not okay? <laughs> How much are they drinking? You know, right? Um It's it's challenging. I, I but again I for me I, I think it's about um, being honest with people and having those conversations up front um, and telling them, you know, I mean, if you're interested in somebody, um, and I don't, I don't think on maybe the first date I say it, but pretty early on, and again, for me, it's kind of tied into my job, so it kind of comes up pretty early on, and I sort of let the other person guide it a little bit in the beginning ask the questions or not ask the questions, but then I feel like there's an obligation I have as a person in recovery. I need to 
I need to let them know some things. Um, and if you're not comfortable talking to that person about it, then I think you kind of need to examine why you're not comfortable with that. You know, is there something about that person that's making you uneasy? Yeah. Uh, because that that's kind of a red flag that things yeah. are maybe not going to work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or or is it that you you aren't comfortable because you still have some things to work on yourself? Right. And I think knowing the difference between that is is really important. Um, and, and a way, you know, if you're in therapy, talk to a therapist about that because, uh, it's hard to enter into a relationship. Um, if you're not comfortable discussing where you are, um, in your recovery. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I, you know, when you first meet somebody, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you're having these conversations like, you know, I'm use my wife, you know, so, so you online, you know, whatever, you message the person, you know, whatever, four or five times, kind of back and forth. And then when you're ready, you can exchange emails. So now you're emailing, right? And what are you doing? You're really exploring the other person. You're really sharing who you are and you're asking questions about the other person. Like, and I, I if, if I'm a person in recovery, I feel like I need to share that. I need, that is who I am and that, um... Hiding that away is not, um, is not, it's not fair to the other person that it's like hiding a major part of who you are. And so I feel an obligation to share it with people, um, when it's right, like, you know, in the first handful of interactions, because I also want to know their reaction to it. If it freaks them out, that I've been hospitalized for my mental health, that I have a diagnosis, that I don't drink, that I'm a suicide attempt survivor, you know, if any of that totally freaks them out, then they're not the person for me. That's really how I feel about it. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, then they're really not the person for me. I don't want them to, you know, get involved with somebody where they don't really know kind of who who I am, because this is who I am. This is the work I do. This is my whole life. Um, so I think it's... And I feel like, I feel like people um, sort of seem embarrassed that they're online dating or it's sort of looked down on. But um, in something like this, I think it's actually a really good way to get to know somebody without... Um, it's not as scary. It's not, uh, it doesn't make you as vulnerable. Um, so you can share all of that stuff and sort of gauge how things are before you get too invested, uh, in the relationship. Absolutely. I mean, Hey, it's a 21st century, man. We're on our phones all the time. We got apps and, you know, we got chat and video and, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't I wasn't hesitant with the taboo of dating online because I I agree with what you said I think it's a way to kind of screen and protect yourself and um, you get to find out a lot about the other person with just reviewing profiles and a couple of messages and a couple of emails you find out a whole lot about them and you know like that's great you're not gonna do that out in the real world if you have to invest in a date and go 
on a date and then you're face to face with the person, I think you find out so much more online about each other. Yeah, I feel like people are more honest that way than, you know, when you're face to face with somebody and you don't want to hurt their feelings mm. or you're anxious because you're in a social situation that you're not comfortable with. And right. So you don't talk as much. Right, right. Yeah, 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 no, I think, um, I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right, right on there, you know. Um, you know, I've never, I've never, I haven't looked this up, but it makes me think about, um, I wonder if there's a, uh, a online dating service for people in recovery. Is there one? Do you know of one? You know, I, I don't know. I would think, you know, given all of the different um, things that are available online that there might be, but yeah. um, I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Well, if there isn't, you listeners, that's that's free. That's that's a free idea right there from Jim Haney. Uh, you could go out and start a business. You might be the next millionaire um, running a recovery dating service. Um yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting. So how about um, so let's talk about uh, non-romantic relationships because you and I kind of chatted about that beforehand. Um, what do you what, what's your take on that? Well, um, like with my kids, um, I have some guilt over the way that I was before I entered recovery, and I think that's hmm. pretty common, mm -hmm. um, whether it's mental illness or substance use or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, you don't even have to have one of those to have guilt over the way you raise your kids. I think everybody <laughs> has some of that. Um, but it, it absolutely, it, it has changed my relationships. And, and the one thing that I really regret is that, um, my oldest kid did not get the same mom as my youngest oh. that, um, and, and it's not like my children are, are really suffering and, and, you know, they're productive and the mm -hmm. oldest ones are in college, you know, and all of that there, you know, there's nothing significant, um, that's going on. Although the oldest shares my diagnosis. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a struggle, you know, it's, mm -hmm. there's a genetic component, which I shouldn't feel guilty about, but mm -hmm. I do, mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of stuff. But, um, mm -hmm. but as I keep, you know, working on my recovery, I feel like I'm better equipped to help her specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, through hers and mm -hmm. to say, mm -hmm. yeah, I experienced that too, or you know what? I've never experienced that. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about that specifically. Sure. Um, you know, and, and for her, we've talked a lot about panic attacks and, you know, how she's dealing with a romantic relationship and how that person is reacting to her, um, which has been great for me, you know, to see it from that direction, um, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, and just my social group in general, my friends and that kind of thing, um, don't really have a good understanding of recovery mm -hmm. um, from from a mental health perspective. A lot of people... Yeah in my group understand substance 
use recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's pretty common Mm -hmm. uh, up here anyway, Mm -hmm. Um, but not, you know, mental health. And people just don't even know how to react to you uh, when, when you have that. And it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I will tell anybody about my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I will tell them why I am acting the way I am, you know, mm-hmm. what medication I'm on, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing to help fight that stigma. Because mm-hmm. if I'm quiet about it, if I don't say anything about it, then how can I expect other people to understand mm-hmm. what it's like or how mm-hmm. prevalent mm-hmm. it is or, you know, why am I not talking to anybody for two weeks? Yeah. And yeah. cool, reach out to me. But if I'm, if I don't engage with you, you just have to accept that that is where I am yeah. right now. You know, check on me. I'm safe. Cool. But you got to step back for a minute and just let me deal with what I have to deal with right now. Yeah. You find that, uh, in your, your circle of, of friends, do you find that you have some friends who know about your history and then other friends that that don't necessarily or you, you don't ever talk uh, to them about your recovery or diagnosis or experiences? Um, I have, you know, a few close friends that know pretty much all of my history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am fairly guarded with the rest. And and part of that is just my personality. I'm not the kind of person mm-hmm. who has, you know, hundreds of friends or even mm-hmm. 20 friends. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very small mm-hmm. group. Um, so I, I would say there's maybe a handful of people who know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's actually sometimes it it's nice to to meet the new people who don't know my history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not necessarily the mental health history, but you know my my past relationship yeah. and you know all of that. And so sometimes it's easier to to start that relationship, and then you can gauge how much you want to tell that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the newer relationships are actually the better ones for me because there mm-hmm. aren't all of those preconceived. You know, oh, sure. this is how you were right. 10 years ago, so... Right. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I find that, too, and I, you know, for me, it's, I think, um, I, I think of relevance, you know, is this really relevant to, does my neighbor, you know, really need to know, like, you know, because people ask what you do, again, you know, right, they're going to ask, what do you do, so tell them what I do, but... If they don't ask any other questions, I, I tend to not go into in depth <clears throat> and go any further because I don't I don't know that it's relevant to you know hey can I borrow your ladder you know what I mean like I don't know if it's really relevant in that like hey how's it going where you just kind of shoot the breeze for a while um, but it is interesting because I do think about it you know I do think about different people and how different people know some of that and some people don't. Yeah. Some people don't care, you know, some people don't, right. <laughs> some people just quite frankly don't care. They're so <clears throat> wrapped up in their own lives um, that it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Um, so let's remind folks about the webinar. Let's pitch that again. Um, the webinar is February 20th. That's 
uh, a Wednesday at noon. Um, and you can always find all of our webinars on our website, mtpeernetwork.org. Um, and under the heading, uh, what we offer is peer support talks webinars. Um, and so there's the whole list. I think we've got six months worth of uh, uh, topics uh, loaded up there right now. Um, and those are really interactive webinars. We ask a lot of questions. We want people's input. So it's not just let's look at these slides and I'm going to talk about it for an hour. Right. Um, we really like to get people uh, find out what their experiences are. I mean, we're talking about peer support and the peers, you know, we need to support each other and provide information uh, to each other, not not just um, those of us who work for MPN. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> please, if you haven't already checked out the webinars, please do. We, you know, they're they're really good. Lots of good dialogue, lots of good conversations. Um, and again, this one's going to be on relationships in recovery. Um, so if you found the podcast first, you get that one, or maybe you already attended the webinar when you're listening to this one. But uh, I think this is something that we need to talk more about in, in those of us in recovery. We need to talk about the challenges with relationships. So uh, if you're listening to this and you have any feedback, you can certainly go on any of our social media outlets um, and uh, post something up, post up some comments. You can post them here on SoundCloud, or you can get in touch with us. Um, my email is jim, J-I-M, at mtpeernetwork.org. You can always send in comments, um, or if there's other things that you would like us to, uh, to focus on in a podcast, um, send us that too, because um, we're always looking for feedback from members. So... And something that we just started in the last couple of weeks was um, we've created a how-to video series on YouTube now, um, in addition to all the other videos that we have up there. So uh, you can check that out. Yeah, um, some really great information there. Exactly. So, yeah, how-to videos, super popular. So, um, so we're just about out of time, and... Uh, Andy, I'm wondering if there's any last things that you want to say uh, to the listeners. Um, just that, uh, you know, it might take a while to navigate some of those relationships, especially romantic relationships. It might take a while to find uh, the good fit. Um, but keep trying, you know, if that's something you want um, mm -hmm. in your life, um, mm -hmm. you know, try everything you can to find that. Very good. And fellas, uh, Valentine's Day is a big deal. It is not a Hallmark holiday, and you got a girlfriend, a wife, or a life partner. Uh, make it special, and you don't have to go out and spend a whole bunch of money. M make a nice dinner, you know, light some candles, do something special. Um, you know, tell your partner you love them. Um, you know, this is the one month a year when, you know, it's, it's February. We can focus on love for one month out of the year uh, in our busy, busy lives. And I think if we had more love and compassion in the world in general, we'd probably have a lot less problems. And uh, 
you know, maybe get along a heck of a lot better. And so I, you know, in my own life, uh, you know, it's something that I really focus on and try to make it really, really special, um, <clears throat> for my wife and, uh, you know, just focus in on her a little bit more this time of year than, uh, maybe I do the rest of the year. And I think it pays off in the long run and we have a better relationship for it. And, uh, she feels better about herself and about us, and I feel better also. So with that, I guess it's time to sign off. So thank you, Andy, for coming on. This was great. This was a really great conversation. And um, I'm hoping <clears throat> you will come on and do some other podcasts in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thank you to all the listeners, all the MPN listeners out there. Uh, there's some other podcasts that you can tune into just because they're older. They're still good. They're still relevant. Um, we try to do a lot of variety, have different guests on, pick different topics. So um, click on some other ones. And thanks so much for tuning in. And we will catch you next time. Happy, happy February. Happy Valentine's Day. And thanks so much. Bye-bye. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.